Beats with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. We all know that relationships can be hard. They require a lot of work. But what if you're fighting an uphill battle that you cannot win? It could be that you are in a toxic relationship. These relationships have the potential, if it's not corrected, to be extremely harmful to our well-being. So to help us understand more, it's so great to welcome back to the Life Beats Studio our Relationships Masterclass expert, Dr. Sheetal Keeney. Hello. Oh, it's so great to have you, uh, Sheetal. Um, th- today, th- we're talking about a topic that uh, I'm seeing uh, coming through in different kinds of ways uh, because it can manifest itself in a lot of different ways. Now, um, talk to us a little bit about what a toxic relationship is. Sure. So, before I can talk about a toxic relationship, I want to be able to define what a relationship looks like more so from a can i just get you to use that microphone for me is that okay sure yeah i think it's let's just do that let's try that microphone that's hi can you yes now i can hear you let's do that again okay yes so i was saying that before we go into looking at what a toxic relationship is i just wanted to define a few components of a healthy one yeah and obviously, like there, there's so many parts to it, but essentially, what a healthy romantic attachment uh, looks like, it has two main components. Mm. So, first of all, it's um, when I'm in a secure, healthy attachment with you, my partner. I know that you're a strong foundation for me, who's going to be there, and I can kind of, I can go and do my own thing and not keep looking back to see if you're still going to be there when I'm I'm going and doing me, you know, I'm living my life where I'm I'm kind of celebrating who I am and I don't have to keep looking over my shoulder. So you're a strong foundation. And at the same time, you are the safe haven that I can return to when everything around me feels like it's going downhill. Or, or at the end of the day, when I've kind of fought my ba- battles and the one person that I want to come to and, and feel like you are my safety. There is safety, there is security yes. in that. It, yes. it doesn't matter what kind of a, you know, a stage you're at in your life, whether you're celebrating uh, you know, your achievements and who you are and what you are and what you want to be. Yeah. Or if you're going through a really tough time, you need to have that one person in your life that you can always rely on. Exactly. So you're there when I go and do who I need to be. Mm-hmm. And then you are the person that I want to return to. So and funnily enough, actually, these are also really uh, important components of any uh, good attachment. So even between parent and child, um, a child needs to know that they can actually go do their own thing and they don't need to keep looking over their shoulders, seeing if mom is still there and hasn't left me um, and knows that when things go bad or any, I can come and I can I can be my vulnerable self to my parents, I can come back. So attachment, um, the, the, the variable is actually quite similar in any attachment, but in a, in a like a healthy relationship, you want to be able to have these two components. And when you have these two components, you also have healthy boundaries. So, you know, for both of us, for you and me to be close, um, we don't need to become one person, you know. Um, And at the same time, we don't need to have a big wall between us uh, to be able to do what we both need to do. 
Because you have that um, that famous saying, "You complete me." Right. Well, actually, no, not really. It's it, it's. Well, you, you can com- you can compliment me. You exactly. And and I can be uh, interdependent on you. I don't need to be completely independent of you, and I don't need to be enmeshed or codependent with you. So, you know, kind of being able to have those healthy boundaries in a healthy attachment is really important because, as human beings, we all have a need for closeness, which everyone talks about, but we also have a need for autonomy. So, it's balancing the need for togetherness with the need for autonomy with healthy boundaries. This is a recipe for healthy attachment. So when things in those components start to go awry, that's when you get and you start to go into looking at a toxic relationship and the dysfunctional attachment. Mm. And usually when we say toxic, it's somehow the system, the dysfunctional system has found a way to maintain itself. So it becomes a vicious cycle that people find hard to break out of. It's something that just kind of keeps going and just exactly, grows. Exactly. And that's why I want to say that a toxic relationship is different from a relationship going through a bad phase or people who have fights. You know, that's not what I'm saying because every healthy relationship, they, you know, does include arguments and, and disagreements and, and, and a all rough that. Patch. Right. And that's right. fine. And that's fine. I'm talking about a system that gets maintained because it kind of fulfills both parties in sometimes dysfunctional ways because this then becomes your way of being then. exactly and it just becomes something like you said it, it, it becomes a system and sometimes before you even know it before you even realize exactly that you're in it yes and so you've actually broken this down into four main categories sure of toxic relationships so let's start going through them the first one that you've got is the controlling partner and and that feels like i mean is this the kind of the most common one that you would see sheeta honestly i think i've seen quite a lot of like all the four that i've talked about um i think maybe people normally will identify this as toxic more openly and they're like aha that's really bad for you it's and maybe really the, obvious it's yeah or, or people you know think yeah maybe mm. maybe because of what you see on tv or what you hear about more or what sounds toxic what sounds most toxic the others are also toxic but this sounds most toxic so here with a classic controlling partner um if you think about it it can be someone who's controlling because uh, they're controlling of your time so they're very possessive of you um so you know where the word possessive comes from is you're my possession right so in the sense that you know whether it is not necessarily you know jealousy and who you talk to you know in terms of people of the opposite sex or any of that but just you know i need you to be with me at all times mm. and um why that can maintain itself is sometimes people respond to that as oh that's me being wanted so if someone has had a history of feeling rejected or feeling inconsequential and suddenly someone is making you feel like you know they can't do without you mm. and they control you in that way it it kind of it still satisfies the need to be wanted so without realizing it that person who is being controlled is also playing into this dynamic and is complicit because actually you've got two sides to every 
yeah. toxic relationship and Absolutely. there's a reason why it continues exactly and uh, i mean you know is this coming why does this happen you know because a lot of people think how can that person stay in that kind of a relationship right. this is something that an outsider will will often look at that and go how can they possibly do that why do people stay in those kind of relationships so one of the things is that if there is a history of mm. either where this is what love looks like so if their definitions if their belief systems about if i'm loved then this is you know then this is the price i pay then i become their property and then like so either it's this belief system from before or this idea that you know i haven't ever felt this way i haven't ever felt like i am good enough to be wanted so suddenly someone is giving me so much importance and again it's actually a fake sense of importance because um a lot of times if i'm a controlling partner for example and you <laughs> are my partner if i'm like sally um where are you like come here right now and drive me to this whatever or why did you go see your friend no um sit with me while i watch whatever show on netflix that i want to see so it may look like i'm constantly saying sally 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 but i'm just saying sally i need you to do what i want to do mm. i'm not really it's about them it's got it's nothing to do with you really exactly i'm not really fulfilling your needs i'm not saying sally what would you like sally come i'll cook you a meal sally come and what do you need exactly sally what would you like to do mm-hmm. it's what do i want to do and i need you there yeah or i need you to do something for me Mm-mm-mm. what what are kind of like the the worst case kind of examples that you've seen where controlling partners have dominated a relationship like this well it can it can show up in so many different ways because um one was possessiveness obviously um there's also um jealousy um there's also um what do you call it financial control which can be very very um difficult because you know that's like the the lowest rung of your hierarchy of needs so if you're financially controlled um and you really feel like there's no way that i i can't really you know a, a lot of people especially one partner isn't really making a an earning and they're depending on the other partner usually it's the woman exactly. this is what happens to a lot of women they exactly. feel like they need to stay in a relationship because because of their financial needs because they have no other form of income and exactly it can feel like enslavement sometimes exactly exactly so i think worst case scenario um where people are probably even aware of the fact that it's cuz a lot of times people are not aware but even if you are aware and you're kind of stuck because you know that okay you know at least if i if i play nice if i do whatever this person wants you know at least they will be able to give me my financial freedom or not freedom but they can provide for me financially such a high price though such a high price such a high price and it is it is really heartbreaking because we also sometimes when we also expect this you know when it's almost a given um because for generations this is what has been happening you almost kind of have the sense of yeah well that's just how it is you know right because so. you haven't seen any other examples exactly. of how else it could possibly be exactly so you're just resigned to the situation because generations before you have gone through the same thing or that's what you see in your family dynamics and actually the thing is it's interesting because if you ask me what's worse being financially controlled or being controlled emotionally 
I almost want to say 50-50 split because I'll explain why. Um, someone who is only... If, if you're controlling in all respects, then that's the worst, obviously. But if you're only financially controlling, for example, um, that may limit you in terms of getting the finances. But there are partners who control emotionally to the point where they don't allow you to talk to your friends. They cut out people from your life. Um, so what they do is, in order to make sure they have full control over you, they cut out all of your influences. Wow. So you are left without any support. So you can't really even, you know, because it's strength in numbers, right? So even someone who's financially cut off, if they have their army, if they have support, maybe they can even think to maybe get out of this relationship and maybe have financial support from outside. Like, you have people. When you are cut off, and a lot of people in abusive relationships are cut off from their support. And that's when things get the worst. Wow. This is a, a conversation that is absolutely incredible. We are talking toxic relationships with Dr. Sheetal Kini. And we're going to come back and talk about codependent or enabling partners. What does that mean? More to come here on Life Beats. Pulse 95. Life Beats with Sally Musa. Only on Pulse 95. Talking toxic relationships this morning with Dr. Sheetal Kini. The next one on our list, uh, Dr. Sheetal, is the codependent or enabling partner. Okay, so what does yeah. this one mean? So codependency um, is, is sort of um, a dynamic where this one is hard to spot, by the way. Um, and so there are different ways in which it can present itself. I'll just kind of start to explain one of the, the ways in which codependency can look. Um, sometimes this partner who is a sweetheart, who is going to do above and beyond for the other person. You know, they have you heard people say, I give 200% in my relationships, yep. right? Um, and what that person is doing when they're giving 200% is they're expecting 200%. So in a way, it's kind of saying that all my resources of life have to depend and be spent on you and all of yours have to be spent on me. So we do everything together. We are, you know, our dreams have to be the same and our thoughts have to be the same and our likes have to be the same and our dislikes have to be the same. Um, in a way where, again, you think about boundaries uh, and the component of um, you are my safe haven, that part is definitely there. But the part where you are my foundation and my rock and I can go do my own things, that part's not there. Wow. So essentially, there are no, there is no boundary. I can't actually accept a boundary between you and me. So you and I have to be joined at the hip. <laughs> it's the totally, literal you complete me thing yes. going on here. Yes. Oh, yes. gosh. Okay. And this one is hard to spot because... Um, obviously, it looks, oh, it looks so great, you know, to people who are extremely, like, into each other or looks like they're into each other. Now, why could this be toxic is what I'll explain. Because if it happens so that because of their lack of boundaries, they're not able to actually grow independently. Um, they're not able to... Um, really fulfill their dreams and they're not able to have relationships outside of each other um, then that actually starts to build up in terms of resentment 
Um, and it could be that one partner wants this more than the other partner. But again, because it fulfills you in some regard, you're able to, you, you kind of stick around in this dynamic. Mm-hmm. Um, and you like be, one of them likes to be that center of attention, while the other one, they just, they build their entire world around their partner. Yeah. But eventually... Yeah. Either you get, you know, one partner who's just going, okay, I've had enough. I need to do my own thing. Right. Uh, while the other partner is left possibly with nothing because they're just like, well, I, I, did built, I built my whole world around you. Exactly. Exactly. And this is the risk, right? Because especially if you think about long-term relationships, we are evolving. We are changing. There needs to be room in a healthy relationship for growth and for change. So... If I am joined to your individual growth, exactly, exactly, and I mean the beauty of it is that if both individuals are growing simultaneously in their own ways, um, the relationship can like exponentially grow from that um, and diversify and and can and and have a richness that it never did, Um, but there's usually a fear factor involved there's insecurities involved in holding to someone so tightly because there's a fear that if we have boundaries then you know that'll just result in further and further separation Mm-mm-mm. so either the person who is holding on too tight that person is at risk of feeling like they lost what they wanted or the other person is at the risk of feeling smothered and and feeling like you know i want to be my own person and i don't get to be in this relationship you had um uh, somebody uh, a client of yours who was an incredible example of this. yes talk to us about that yes so this is kind of the flavor of um enabling that kind of came up that i was mm. i said codependency or enabling and by the way codependency can come up in um many different ways so for example enabling is one such way um a couple that i saw in the u.s where essentially you know they at first they presented with you know we we struggle because of whatever normal issues any couple would but kind of the main factor here was that over time the wife had gained a lot of weight and become morbidly obese and her day-to-day was actually quite difficult she struggled a lot and the husband um, he did a lot of the caretaking almost like he was her full-time caretaker and you know his life revolved around hers and her life pretty much did not exist without him because she was not independent she needed him she needed him she needed him and so what was interesting was that, you know, because she was in therapy and then she got individual therapy as well, she started to get on this uh, track of, you know, nutritionists and diet change and exercise and she started to lose weight. And the husband didn't like that. And it's really interesting that, you know, obviously her health was her, her life was at stake. So technically speaking, it was good for her that she was losing the weight. But he didn't like it because now she didn't need him as much. And this is an example of the fact that how codependent they were, that he couldn't tolerate him being needed less. And now he was struggling to to, you know, actually accepted so much so that he would force her to still eat bad or you know he would tell he her he would no. force her to still eat badly he would, in the, he would order you know he would actually order McDonald's when you know she was trying to eat a salad like no you, know, you like this like why don't you eat this like it's good for you like not good for you but like you know you, you would feel happy if you eat it 
So it, obviously I had to call out what was going on, you know. Um, she didn't quite understand it. They, he didn't quite understand it. And this is another thing, you know, they, the awareness is not necessarily there. It's not a conscious, manipulative move. It's, you know, you, you don't realize why you're doing certain things. That's incredible. And, you know, and so what happened when you called it out and you said, look, guys, this is what's going on here. Right. Well, then the conversation became towards actually, you know, what does healthy boundaries look like? And he never had them. He never had them in his past, you know, so he always felt rejected. He always felt abandoned um, by the, the people who he cared about most in life. So he had a tendency to hold on really tight. Mm. And a lot of times um, people in enabling or codependent relationships, they get a, they get a sense of uh, closeness or being wanted or being important by being helpful. So you have these over helpful partners who want to do everything for you. Don't let, they don't want you to ever become independent of you. You know, so you have a dynamic where it's all like a parent child relationship. I was just exactly going to say, you know, a lot of times moms do that without realizing as well. Yes, yes, just they overhelp. You, you love your children so much and that, yeah, oh my gosh, it's like... But it's enabling, right? It's, it's enabling. Ena yeah, because then you're not going to learn how to do it yourself. Yeah. But then if you learn how to do it yourself, you're going to need me less and then I'm going to be obsolete. It doesn't mean that they love you less. Yeah, so. and it doesn't mean that you will be obsolete. Again, these are sort of assumptions that... Wow, there's so much <laughs> learning to be done through all of this. This is incredible, amazing. Uh, we're going to continue the conversation with Dr. Sheetal next. We're going to be talking about the independent partner. Yes. Why is that toxic next? Pulse 95. Live Beats with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. We're just kind of barreling through all of these uh, different categories here. The next one, Dr. Sheetal, is all about the independent partner. Yes. You just said that we're supposed to be independent <laughs> of each other. So what do you mean here? So the key word is you need to be interdependent. Mm -hmm. Right? Not so too independent. Not too independent. Okay. Not too codependent. Like, I think like our biggest struggle in life is always finding the middle ground mm -hmm. and not being black and white. So the independent partner, how do I say this? Um, this is really, I want to describe what this partner looks like and then I'll tell you what their counterpart, what their spouse or their, their partner may have to do or deal with and how they kind of enable this potentially or state in this toxic dynamic. So the independent partner is someone who um, more than like more than normal needs a lot more space in the relationship um, has very fixed views about how they want to do things quite inflexible um, also in a way where so let me draw the difference between the controlling partner and the yeah, independent it, partner it was sounding very similar right. yeah so with the controlling partner you have someone who obviously again knows like the very opinionated knows what they want and they will force you to do what they want and they want you to be there when they do what they want, right? Or they want you to do it for them. The independent partner is like, look, I know that on a Saturday night, I want to go for a run, followed by the beach, followed by eating at salt, followed by <laughs> whatever it is. Um, and if you want to do it, great. If not, cool, I'll see you in tomorrow. So I'm going to 
I, I have sort of figured out my life and I'm going to be working really late and I'm going to be taking this vacation with my friends and it's almost like it it may also it almost seems like I'm not ready for a relationship right because you're just like it doesn't matter what your partner is doing exactly you're doing everything independent of them exactly exactly you're not thinking about what they want Mm-mm. you're not thinking about doing things together yeah. you're just going for what you want and that's exactly. it exactly yeah exactly now what happens is that when you're in a relationship with someone like this um you know some people are complicit in that they say oh you know this person's just very independent um you know they've just always been very independent like almost like it's a positive thing like you know oh independent woman or independent man like oh it's so great you know they're so like they know what they want right and i'm sure there are positive qualities to that as well but um you you kind of again try to make excuses so if you are in a relationship where you're constantly making excuses for the other person why why they're not there um why um they're too busy for you mm. you know oh but it's just their job it's just you know their their interest they've always been like this like you kind of almost say that there's nothing i can do and this is just this is just my life now we i just kind of have to i or and and a lot of times either the partner will let that person be and just kind of let them do their own thing and you also end up doing your own thing or you have a partner who is constantly trying to reach out constantly trying to get this person's attention and even almost um molding their own self to get their get their attention so oh you want to go to the beach okay even though i didn't want to go i'll do whatever you want to do yeah so because if that's the only way i can be with you is live life on your terms then i live life on your terms yeah yeah exactly and a lot of times the independent partner may attract the wanting to be codependent partner <laughs> it's and, and when Ooh. that happens you have someone who is extremely clingy with someone who is extremely detached and that happens that does happen wow that does happen Th- how does that even work in a relationship that i just can't even right like so um th- first of all the reason why the person is independent is also important to understand yeah. right so someone who is the independent partner wants to kind of like that space and doesn't want to get too close to somebody it depends on whatever their emotional blueprint has been from childhood mm. so if in general being close has meant that if i get close to someone that i'm going to get hurt that i'm going to keep you at a distance on the other hand if it if it felt like getting close meant getting smothered mm. getting like again when you get too close to me i have to be like you or there's no space for me to be myself um you know you may not necessarily hurt me but you know you may smother me with who you are that there's just no room for me to be me so for me to be me i need to be distant for me to be happy and not get hurt i need to be distant so usually um ironically enough even though these are the needs of this person and imagine a clingy person their needs may be that they need reassurance in a relationship they need to know that they are loved and that's where the clinginess comes from right. because the insecurity mm. even though they need this they don't need a person who's going to reject them if their blueprint if their familiarity if their relationships have taught them that 
for example, for a clingy person, if a relationship has taught you that love comes difficult, like love is not going to come easily, to f- in order to have a relationship, you're going to have to work really hard to even get two seconds of attention. Because maybe your mother did that to you. Maybe your dad did that to you. But that became what's familiar. That became what's normal. So now when someone is giving me easy attention, that doesn't attract me. But someone is playing really hard to get. As much as I hate it, that's what love looks like. And I'm going to go after so that. So you actually seek it. That's yeah. what you seek because that's what you think love is. So yeah. if it comes easily, you think, oh, that that, that must, must not, be, not be real. Yeah. Wow. This is just mind-blowing <laughs> But it's important to, to note that, again, like, it's not necessary. Sometimes, sometimes we go after what's familiar, mm. but sometimes we run away from what's familiar. and We want something different because what was familiar was so horrible. Yeah. So and, we and can do ha- any of it. It's, it's about, you know, raising that awareness within yourself. That yes. You actually grew up with a completely twisted warped view of what love actually is and looks like right right that's a big one for and people. it's so it's very i mean honestly like this is therapy and exploration like kind of gets you to that place of understanding and awareness um reflection um a lot of us don't do that a lot of us are Sort scared. of living and yeah, scared to find out it's or living painful. our default. It's painful if you go back and you mm. realize because I, I don't know. I think uh, a lot of people they experience certain things and then th- just to to get through life, they tend to block it out. Yes, yes, and that's really difficult when you get to a certain stage, especially when you've actually gotten married and everything else, and you've had kids. Then mm. to get to that stage and go, oh my gosh, my mm. life for the past. 30 years or whatever it was yeah it has just been me repeating these patterns of of things that have happened in in my childhood yeah and it's not to say that you know you don't have the power to change and you know of course there might be so much resilience within you as well where you actually undo these patterns and you you create new ones but for sure whatever blueprints whatever sort of you know um, belief systems have been set up early on they do play out and they do impact our choices Mm. and as much as we may block them out they don't stop having impact we're going to come back in just a moment talk about the the last category that we've got here which is the roommate best friend syndrome yes and we're going to be talking about what you can do we've started talking about that here a little bit what you can do if you think you are in a toxic relationship and are there degrees of mm-hmm. all of these in a healthy relationship every day? We've got lots more to talk about next. This is Pulse 95. Live Beats with Sally Musa, only on Pulse 95. So now we are going to be jumping into the fourth category that we've got here, the bestie roommate syndrome, Dr. Sheetel. What does that look like? All right, so this one, again, is probably hard to spot, Mm -hmm. primarily because we think about toxicity and a bad relationship normally in terms of fights and arguments and, yeah, There's got to be a clear villain, yeah. Exactly, Um, and you're just, like, throwing things in each other's faces, like, metaphorically. How can that possibly be a toxic relationship? So, um, conflict is not the um, only variable to think about when you think about toxicity 
actually sometimes conflict shows that actually you still care enough to fight what happens when you stop caring is the question so when i say this best friend or roommate syndrome um i don't i think that you know again it's like best friend with quotation marks because if you are really best friends with someone then that relationship is rich uh is emotional is vulnerable uh there are fights you know like a good best friend would uh, you would experience all of that with and there's a lot of depth in that relationship but this kind of toxic relationship is one where potentially you've been married and living together for a long amount of time say 5 to 10 years you went through your conflict phase you worked through it or tried to work through it couldn't work through it said you know what i'm just going to not bring up anything anymore it's just nicer when we don't fight and now we're two passing ships at night or we do the whole parenting act or the co-living act really well you know we get up in the morning have breakfast talk about the news um go off to work in the evening we can sit politely watch tv together call it a night and go socialize with other people we can do all of that we can talk about everything that's going on at work we can actually you know even maybe um problem solve together but when it comes to real relationship issues we have stopped talking about those we've stopped ta- stopped talking about our personal feelings towards each other and i'm almost like i'm comfortable in this sort of you're my roommate we're not we're nothing more than that but my roommate my friend and whenever someone says you know but really what's so wrong with that like you know we're best friends we can talk about anything i'm like okay can you talk about your relationship and if that if that there's a hard stop there then that is not what do you mean by relation- talk about your relationship give okay. examples of okay. things that uh, people are avoiding perfect so for example say that i've been feeling really um distant from you as my partner or you know um you've been <coughs> really uh, dismissive of what i wanted to do with my career or you've been really like whatever issue i may have with this person you know whether it is um i feel lonely i wanted you to come and support me when i went to my friend's father's funeral um like there, there's so many expectations First of all, if I don't have any expectations at all from you as my partner, that's a problem. Second of all, if I do have expectations and I am feeling let down, but I can bring it up because I know it's going to turn into a fight and I just don't want to fight. So, I'm just going to swallow that issue and I'm just going to pretend like it didn't happen. So, I'm either going to tell myself that it's not important or I'm just going to say it's okay, you know, I'll deal with it later and later never comes. and over a period of time you actually desensitize yourself so there i do think that there comes a point where you have agreed that this is your reality and that this is somehow better than splitting up that this is somehow better than talking about it and it's the fake sense of a real relationship mm. now why is this toxic this is toxic because a it actually feels lonelier to be married to someone that you're not connected to. It's 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 quite interesting because you take someone who is choosing to be alone, but you take someone who has someone in their life and yet so disconnected that it really drives 
that that point home of how disconnected you are and how unloved you're really feeling. Yeah. So you're not making an active effort to make each other feel loved. That's not happening. Um, and so it either can deteriorate your own mental health. It leaves room for infidelity. A lot of times, whenever I've worked with infidelity, it's been because couples have, over time, just kind of started to 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 become best friends, roommates, and now that's the relationship is really dead, and it's very easy for a third person to come in. Um, it can it can over time it can actually paint also if you have children it can paint a very um, distorted image of what a marriage looks like for them. You know they grew up thinking then this is their blueprint by the way. They grew up thinking yeah you know like mom does her own thing dad does her own his own thing like this is a nor this is what a normal marriage looks like and when they grow up and try to get married they probably will expect the same, and the cycle can go on. So it's really um, it's like the effects are more long term and more invisible but more damaging and so that's why this one goes so unnoticed and unrecognized that's that's just incredible what can you do in a situation like that right so first of all for for any of these yeah um i think the first part is obviously awareness um and if you ever want to know you know to become aware for se- for a second thinking about am i happy in the way that you know do i feel like my needs my individual needs are met in this relationship without making any excuses for your partner because i feel like a lot of times we say you know but my partner had a rough childhood and they had this and they're really busy and their work is so demanding and this and this and this and that and please stop making excuses for your partner and just ask yourself regardless of whatever are my needs being met and do am i am i fulfilling my partner's needs is this a two way street is this really happening first of all um this could sound really weird but sometimes you might not have even stopped to think about what are my needs mm-hmm. or even asked your partner what are their needs yes, as well that's a great place to start that's a great place to start um if if you are aware of your emotional state even checking in first of all am i happy when i when and when i say that i'm happy what am i happy with am i happy with my work am i happy with myself am i happy in my relationship mm. and if i if i think to myself that mm, relationship not so happy but i'm not sure why okay then okay what are my needs what do i think my partner's needs are um how often have i actually stopped to even check to see what my partner's needs are and how much am i assuming um because a lot of times um people are uncomfortable having these conversations um everything is a given you know if you love me then you should know what i need and if i love you i should know what you need all of this should be unsaid and just beautiful on its own so i think just checking your assumptions about all of that and checking in with your needs secondly um and this is probably the toughest part which is when one person is aware one person is now coming to the point where they're realizing that okay you know things are not the way that they need to be there needs to be a change it's getting through to your partner mm. so they're they're always usually in a toxic relationship because it's like a cycle you're stuck in um whenever you need to disrupt a system there's going to be there's going to be some pushback right 
even the person who is willing to change even a person who wants to even from them they might experience a pushback internally because we've been doing something for so long yeah how do you change that you know how do i how do i believe that i'm important if you're not calling me 15 times a day <laughs> right <laughs> you know um <laughs> you did something by yourself like oh yeah that's great for you but like now are you going to need me less um so usually if it's an incredibly and this now we come to severity is that the solution depends on the severity so if it is first of all you know i've talked about things today that may feature in different elements in many relationships mm, that are not necessarily exactly. toxic yeah you know because um, i'm feeling you know th- th- some of the different examples that you've given i'm like okay <laughs> i'm sure these things have like shown up in in relationships here and there but yeah not to the severity that maybe we're talking about where it becomes a toxic relationship exactly yeah. exactly so if it's a undisrupt undisrupted if mm-hmm. that's the word um if it cannot if it's a cycle that cannot be disrupted then we're talking about a toxic cycle toxic relationship cuz it's pervasive it's it's all the time it's in every way you know it's become like a system when there are elements of it that are starting to occur because each person has a personality type and they like to show love a certain way so you know um i like to show my love by checking in on you and having you with me at all times and you know like um being with you like my love language is say quality time together mm. um i need to also recognize when it's too much and if i'm like you know for the other person maybe it's something else that that makes them feel loved and if i can even become aware that it's starting to become too much of what i need and not keeping in mind what the other person needs Mm-mm. then i can change it like awareness and being able to communicate about it is really most of the solution because there is an understanding of okay this is not coming from a place of i love you less it's coming from a place of uh there needs to be a balance between both of us here um but on the other hand if the severity is such that you know um even though you feel that it's not working out you're not able to you're not able to get out of it um like a lot of people who are in physically abusive relationships or emotionally abusive relationships with with the first category the controlling partner yes um you know people always say it's like why do you keep going back to the same person and um and i think that it's it becomes such a um mental difficulty that there needs to be external intervention and at that point i would say that you know if if you are someone whoever is listening for example who if you are someone who thinks that you can help it but you keep going back to your abusive partner um then either if your partner is is open to it then you both go to couples therapy um to be able to break that cycle but if you know your partner is not right for you but you you don't have the confidence to be able to end the relationship then you seek individual therapy to be able to do that um because somehow especially when I told you when the controlling partner um cuts off all of your support makes you feel like you don't have anyone else but me so you what is the key to, yeah support is the situation to absolutely. find outside support somehow absolutely. somewhere through somebody yes. that is going to give you that strength because when you are with a controlling partner 
they suck out all of that yeah. strength out of you. They cut you away from everyone that can make you feel strong mm. uh, and supported and increase your dependence on them. So it you know it's actually I, I completely understand why that person feels like this because mm. they feel like you're the only person for me so even though you treat me really badly at least you're there for me it's a, an incredible topic and i'm so glad we got to cover <laughs> it today dr sheetal and i'm looking forward to a lot more from you in 2020 yes yes so I'm, I'm gonna so excited take for that. the opportunity now to wish you a happy new year thank You're you gonna be you traveling too. over the holiday break as well and yes. uh, we're so excited for this this will be available on our podcast as well um, and more to come from the relationships masterclass <laughs> in 2020 great thank you so much Sally. thank you thank you so much lots more to come in the next hour of life beats as we look at the prestigious Ballet Academy, which encouraged children to smoke to stay slim. That story and so much more is coming up next. This is Pulse 95. Tune in live every weekday from 10 a.m.